Hey everyone, welcome to the Happy Flosser podcast. My name is Billy Lunt. I am your host, and I am here to talk to you about all things dental hygiene to support you on your journey through the dental hygiene program. Welcome, so glad to have you. The gingival assessment is one of the steps performed in your clinical assessment and information gathering steps of your patient assessment. The gingival assessment provides you, the clinician, with an overview of the absence or presence of disease, and it can really help you focus your attention on your next steps moving forward in your clinical assessment. The tissue tells a story, and it's one of the first steps in understanding your patient's oral health status. Now know that there are specific clinical markers that are related to gingival health, and they can be indicators of either the presence or absence of disease. This episode will review those clinical markers, the descriptors that we use in our clinical notes, and the indicators of both health and disease states that are seen in the clinical setting. Let's start talking about your gingival assessment. Now, it is important to be able to recognize, describe, and be able to accurately document the characteristics of the gingiva in both a healthy patient and in the presence of disease. And for the very first time, this might be your first time looking at the characteristics of the gingiva and the descriptors that are used to properly note these characteristics. This is an important foundational skill to be able to perform a gingival assessment in the clinical setting and then pull together a formulated, concise, written description of the condition that you see of the gingiva. Now, Wayne Dyer says it best that if you change the way you look at things, the way you look at things will change. And I want you to do this when you're thinking about the gingival assessment, because everybody up until this point, when they've reached into dentistry, has just looked at the tissue and said, well, it's pink. But we're going to take a much more uh, detailed look at all of the descriptors. When you're examining the gingiva, You as the clinician should be evaluating the color, the size, the shape, the consistency, the texture, if there's bleeding or exudate present, whether there's recession and what the mucogingival junction looks like as it relates to the attached gingiva. These character traits should be observed, assessed, described, and well-documented. When you as a student are learning how to look at the gingiva, you should have a clear understanding of what each characteristic is and what those characteristics look like in a healthy patient. That's the best way to learn these descriptors. You also then wanna look at what these look like in a patient with disease when there's disease present. And it will be really helpful for you when you're learning this to look at those clinical markers and learn which character traits are likely to go together and make sense to you. Think of your gingival assessment as a written narrative of what you see when you look at the tissue. When you as the clinician properly describe the clinical appearance during the gingival assessment, Additional considerations can be looked at that will help you sharpen your focus beyond those clinical markers and consider the causes 
that are associated with the appearance of the gingiva. That could be a sign of disease. So looking at the gingiva and doing your gingival assessment is like the first chapter of the story. So let's look at all the different clinical markers. So let's look at the color. In the signs of health with color of the tissue, it's generally described as pale pink. Within some patient populations of darker complexions, they may present with melanin pigmentations. And this is very common in a healthy mouth of Asians or African Americans, Indians, or Caucasians of Mediterranean descent. And some of the factors that influence the presentation of color is the thickness of the epithelium, the vascular supply, and the degree of keratinization that could be present with your patient. The color of gingiva can appear different when there is a change in the disease state. For example, in a chronic inflammation situation, the color can appear darker red, bluish red, magenta, or even a deep blue. When you have an acute area of inflammation, the color can appear bright red in color. Now, it's important to note that changes in the color may involve only the marginal gingiva or the papilla, and changes that involve both the marginal gingiva and the papilla are noted as diffuse color changes. Now, one of the next clinical markers we want to talk about is the size of the gingiva. The size of the free gingiva in health can be described as knife-edged or flat, not enlarged at all, and it fits really snug around the tooth. Might even be really hard to probe to get that probe past that gingival margin. The width of the attached gingiva in health varies among patients, and we've talked about that, and it varies among different tooth types. It has a range of about one to nine millimeters, while it's wider on the maxillary arch and typically narrowest around those canines and premolar regions. The size of the gingiva in a disease state can appear very different when there's a change. The free gingiva and the papilla can become enlarged and the call area deepens. This may be a localized situation or a generalized situation and it can also be influenced by medications. There are some medications that can change the size of the gingiva, and clinicians should have an understanding of this correlation. And we'll talk more about that when we get to pharmacology. The next clinical marker is the shape or the contour of the gingiva. And this can appear really different with the presence of disease. In health, the shape of the free gingiva flows as a scalloped line around each tooth with a knife-edged or even slightly rounded but closely adapted to the tooth. The shape of the papilla in health is pointed and fills the embrasure spaces and appears very flat. In disease, the free gingiva can appear rolled or rounded and the papilla can appear blunted, flattened, bulbous, cratered, or even be completely missing. Now, there are three situations that I want to mention that can be seen when you're looking specifically at the papilla. One is called a McCall's festoon, which is defined as an enlargement of the marginal gingiva with the formation of like a lifesaver-looking gingival prominence. And it's frequently, the total gingiva is very narrow and it has generalized recession, but it almost looks like there's a little life preserver around each and every tooth. Uh, then there's a Stillman's cleft, 
which is a localized V-shaped, almost slit-looking appearance that may extend right to the mucogingival junction or maybe even through the mucogingival junction. And then there's a floss cleft, which is created by, you guessed it, incorrect flossing techniques, right? And these are little V-shaped fissures on the marginal gingiva. So when your patient is flossing and they don't quite make that C-shape around the tooth, they can actually cut into the marginal gingiva. And you'll see this usually on one side. Maybe the patient isn't adapting on either the mesial or the distal. And you typically will see it on one side of a whole sextant where they're doing the same technique in that area. Um, it's really hard to, you know, give a uh, give critique to a patient who's actually flossing, but letting them know that they're creating this, um, this floss cleft is, is an important um, correction. The next thing we'll look at is the consistency of the gingiva. And consistency is a clinical marker that you see in a healthy patient appears very firm. And when you have a disease state, the consistency can be described. So if you as the clinician use a probe and you gently press against the free gingiva with the side of the probe. It can appear soft and spongy and dent really easily, okay? And this is related to acute stages of inflammation with increased infiltration of fluid into the tissue. And the tissue can be described as red and smooth and shiny. Now, can you see how like soft and spongy goes with red and smooth and shiny when you're discussing these clinical markers? It's also common to see enlarged marginal gingiva and bleeding on probing. So the consistency in a disease state can also appear firm when you press it with the side of the probe. And this can reveal chronic inflammation with increased fibrosis. The tissue could actually appear pink in color and be stippled. Um, this is typically evident in our tobacco smoking populations where disease can be masked by the color, shape, and consistency of the tissue. So this is definitely something that you want to be aware of. The next clinical marker we're going to take a look at is texture. So in health, the tissue is texture is smooth in the area of the free gingiva and it's stippled in the areas of the attached gingiva and the central area of that interdental papilla region. It can be described as really resilient, right? So think about the texture being a very resilient. So a lot of uh, clinicians describe the stippling as that orange peel look. So when you're looking at that attached gingiva and you dry it off a little bit with air, you can see that reve revealing of the orange peel look. Now, in the presence of disease, the texture may take on a smooth and shiny surface with a loss of that stippling. With hyperkeratosis, the texture may appear leathery, hard, or even nodular. And with chronic disease, the tissue may be hard and fibrotic with normal pink color and deep stippling. So in health, the tissue does not bleed during periodontal probing. So bleeding is another clinical marker that we look for. In disease, the succular epithelium becomes diseased and this ulcerates the pocket wall and it bleeds as a result. In health, there are no signs of exudate. Exudate is another clinical marker that we look at. The only fluid within the periodontal pocket is gingival crevicular fluid and this is not visible during the gingival assessment. 
we know that in disease states, there's an increase in the amount of gingival crevicular fluid that's in the sulcus. And so although the amount of fluid that exudes from the pocket is not an indicator of the extent of disease, it is a clinical indicator of the presence of disease and should be noted. I just wanted to note that as you are documenting your gingival assessment, that there's a couple of criteria that you want to use for location. So localized means that it's limited to the gingiva adjacent to a single tooth or group of teeth. Generalized is when there is a clinical marker that is evident throughout the mouth. Marginal means that there's a clinical marker that is confined to the marginal gingiva. Papillary means that it is confined to the interdental papilla. When you note diffuse, when you have a clinical marker where it is a diffuse descriptor, it means that it's involving the marginal gingiva and the papilla. And discrete means that it's an isolated sessile or tumor-like enlargement in one particular spot. So I think it's important for you to understand those criteria for location as you're doing your documentation. Let's do a quick review on attached gingiva. The attached gingiva is the part of the gingiva that is firmly connected to the cementum on the cervical third of the root and to the periosteum of the alveolar bone. The primary function of the attached gingiva is to keep the free gingiva from being pulled away from the tooth. The width of the attached gingiva is an important component of your gingival assessment. If there is no attached gingiva on a tooth surface, the dentist is limited in the type of restorations that can be done. The attached gingiva extends from the base of the sulcus to the mucogingival junction. And you can perform a tension test to see the alveolar mucosa and visually note that deep red vascular shiny appearance on that alveolar mucosa. And in order to determine the width of the attached gingiva, you're going to measure the total width of the gingiva from the gingival margin to the mucogingival junction. And then you're going to measure the probe depth, which is the gingival margin to the base of the sulcus. And then you're going to subtract the probe depth from the total width of the gingiva. So for example, if the total width of the gingiva was six millimeters, and the pocket depth was three millimeters, the width of the attached gingiva would be three millimeters, the attached gingiva would be. So remember, you're measuring the total width of the gingiva from the gingival margin to the mucogingival junction, then you're measuring the depth of the pocket, and then you subtract the probe depth from the total width of the gingiva to give you your width of the attached gingiva. Just to make the learning a little more fun, I've decided to share a poem about the gingival assessment with you. Let the tissue tell the story and guide you in the right direction of the presence of health, disease, or active infection. The size, shape, and color will provide you with a clue. The radiographs and probe depths will help you determine what you need to do. The key is to know how the clinical markers make the connection to help you with your assessment 
and properly treat those who present with infection. Use your books and lots of pictures to put it all together. With lots of practice and clinical exposure, you'll just get better and better. Beware of the smoker who presents with tissue that is pink. The story told by that tissue is not always what you think. And don't lose sight of why we evaluate the tissue. It helps you gather information and focus your attention on an issue. Join me next time as we take a look at the tooth morphology of the incisors. The class traits of the anterior teeth will take a look at the type traits of the incisors and the specific tooth traits of each of the incisors. We'll put some emphasis on the specific features of each one of those teeth. I hope you join me. I would invite you to ask any questions at all that you need answered. Sometimes questions come up when you're listening to this podcast. If you have a question, most likely someone else has the very same question. I'd be happy to answer it and would probably share it in a future podcast. Are you looking for study sheets? I've created study sheets that cover the content of this episode. If you're interested or that's something that's going to help you on your learning journey, you can click the link listed right in the description of these show notes. Happy studying!